Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Cut Authority. Here we are in lockdown once again, Jenks. It's not really a lot of fun. And big shout out to uh, all our listeners out there across 3AW and the footy show where we're getting simulcast. Jenks, welcome aboard. It's been a busy week with all your media commitments. Oh, look, mate, I've been trying to take uh, Cut Authority and the, the hobbies of the masses. No, but uh, on a serious note, it was. Uh, it was definitely a good opportunity to jump on with uh, with Trumpers. Yeah, with Trumpers on three AW, and yep. then uh, for them to cut it up and use it for that funny little segment with on the uh, footy show. Yeah, on the footy show, with uh, it's always funny as well. So uh, good stuff. I think it's just good for the hobby. It's nice to be able to get some recognition for the hobby, um, and I think that everything that that anyone does, and I know the guys at, at Cherry certainly push a lot of media commitments and stuff, which is always great. So yep. yeah, a little bit of fun and, and nice to sort of just, just get cards out there a bit more as, as well. So for people who didn't know, Jenks was, uh, was uh, there was a little segment on Chompers show early morning 3RW, which is a big Melbourne drive show here. Yeah, number, the, number one. It was, the, it was Neil Mitchell's show, yeah, which he was filling in for Neil Mitchell's on holiday. So. And James had, had a little bit of a rundown on where the current lay of the land is with the card industry yeah. and how busy it is and uh, asked him to, uh, you know, give a few valuations on cards and things like that. So it was a good little bit of fun. Yeah. But look, it's been a really big week here. G'day, everyone. Look, everyone's saying hello. Big hello to everyone. There's way too many names for me to go through individually, but thank you, everyone. Welcome back on board. It's always good to be here, especially during lockdown. Um, so, look, it's been a crazy week. Yeah. And, you know, putting cards aside, Sydney's in heavy lockdown. Yeah. Victoria is now back in lockdown again. It almost feels like a little bit of deja vu from last year. Like around this time last year when the yep. whole country was in lockdown, I saw just before South Australia has run into some issues. So they're, uh, they're imposing some a few restrictions here and there. I know WA's now got hard borders against everyone else. It's, it's interesting things going on overseas at the moment in the UK today is their self-proclaimed Freedom Day, yeah. where they've taken off all restrictions except they're doing 50 to 100,000 new cases a day at the moment. Yeah, crazy. So the world is definitely in a crazy place. And did we think we were going to be here 12 months ago? Well, some of us... Probably did, but uh, others. We hope we, yeah, we, hope, we hope we weren't going to be. Yeah. But I think it's we're going to be dealing with this sort of stuff for a little while still. I think, and uh, I feel like we're probably a bit more used to it in Victoria because we've gone through so many lockdowns. It's almost standard procedure for us but at the moment. But I definitely feel sorry for the, the Sydney siders who are copying it for the first time and, and haven't really experienced it. So yeah, crazy times. But with lockdown means we get to spend more time having uh, enjoying the things we love, such as. Uh, the trading card hobby. Absolutely. And obviously it's been, um, we've talked in the last couple of weeks about it being the calm before the storm a little bit that, you know, it seems like it goes through little cycles. We have a release. It's crazy. It's manic. Everyone kind of drops up a little bit or drops off a little bit. And then the sniff in the air, the smell in the air of a new release. Yeah. And that certainly has started to happen with Optimum being really not released, but you know, certainly teased the other week. Yeah. Um, What's your early takes on it? Have you heard any information? Obviously, okay, so some, obviously yeah. you, you won't select. Yeah. So, so you can't tell us too aside, much. aside from the fact that the masses, you know, support the fact that I own select. Mm-hmm. And thank I, you. I, I, have, to be, I have to be careful here okay. because it's, a lot of it is obviously commercial in confidence, of course. Of course. Whilst I spent my days in... What, what area there? Carrum Downs, is Carum Downs, yeah. Carum, Whilst I spent my days in Carrum Downs. And Sydney. And Sydney, yeah. I go between yeah. the two. Yeah. On my private jet, of yep, course. Of course. Um, 
and then I have to come in here and do the podcast. So I need to be very careful how yeah, I talk about that. my other business, of course. And, mm -hmm. you know, between them, owning Panini as well does yeah. make things a bit difficult. But uh, look, on a serious note, obviously, Select dropped a teaser out of the middle of nowhere last week. What's the name of the release again? Optimum. 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 So that they've dropped it. I suppose the Optimum name starts to really follow the dominance sort of theme and stuff like oh, that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lucky for you, your prediction of it being Legacy uh, 2.0 was... Uh, was uh, not not correct but in saying that we have no idea what's going to be in this product mm. um certainly rumors abound like there always are there's always lots and lots and lots and lots of rumors going into every release and there's everything from people putting up a full list of what they believe is in every packet and the ratio of every single card through to the names of subsets and types of subsets so certainly heard a lot of rumors some of the ones that i think hey have a bit of, a bit of weight to them maybe or People have been able to, to maybe substantiate Optim optimum prime, yeah. Optimum, optimum, optimum prime. prime. Oh, yeah. I did think that yeah. at the time. I'll get to that time. Uh, but, um, yeah. uh, so a couple of key ones for me is you always get a good idea from signatures because of the signers and mm -hmm. there's certainly people within the trading card community connected to different clubs and players at a variety of different levels. Yep. So I have been fortunate to have both seen and heard some things oh, with respect to, right. uh, to, to signatures. Tell. So from what I can tell at this point in time, obviously draft pick signatures are back, but there is definitely more than there's a there's more than one variation of a draft pick signature. Awesome. From what I from you know from from what I've seen and what I've been told. Yeah. Um it did and it's actually come from two different players, two different clubs now as well. Okay. Um it is definitely that yeah, there, there's more than one DPS. There's got to be some sort of variation. So there might DPS. be like a blue and a green. And, and from, you know, yeah. I, I mentioned it to you the first time someone said something to me. Was it something like a total numbering of maybe 300 or 310 okay. yep. or something like that, which is what was initially mentioned to me of, hey, I just signed 310 of these cards right. sort okay. of thing. Like that was the context of it. So, yep. uh, you know, I, I don't know for fact, but I know that, you know, there's players that sign DPS cards that openly sort of declared, like, this is how many that I, saw, I signed. Um, and there were a couple of different looking ones sort yep. of thing. So to me, in my mind, without them having, you know, without a player under, or, or an, a manager understanding footy cards, it, it, to me it seems like, okay, well, there's 300 or 310. They said they looked a bit different, so at least there's two variations maybe we're moving to that period of where we were a while ago, platinum and gold draft pick signatures or yep. or silver and gold. Which I has think been successful in the past. Which meant, yeah, so one was a shorter print, lower number than the other. And, um, and, and certainly, look, for people that haven't been through a Series 2 product before, and obviously there's some new people in the hobby, a draft pick signature or a DPS is a fairly usual type of card that is in a Series 2 release. Yeah. Um, and there have well, there haven't been variations for a couple of years. So from what you're saying, it looks like there's going to be at least two, yeah. which you know can create some fantastic things if you're trying to do rainbows. And like what they've done with the parallels and prestige. Well, yeah, you've seen the success of prestige yeah. year on year, like you know through both years, and it's clear that people have really enjoyed the parallel chase, and it's added a new element. Yeah, I think that also lends towards the notion of we know all these other people are shifting across from NBA oh, and course, other, yeah. other international sports. 
who are more used to that type of thing. Like you look at an NBA product, there's like 10 different variations of a signature. It's all the same card, just a heap of different variations. So um, I, I think it lends to, to definitely to that notion. I think with what we've seen Select implement over the better part of the last sort of 12 to 18 months, they are being... Uh, <laughs> They're, they're acknowledging the, the the wider marketplace and the global market of what's happening with trading cards. And as yep. a result, they're definitely taking inspiration, I think, from certain things such as those parallels or maybe, you know, you know variations of signatures or whatever it may be. So I personally, I'd love to see, I really hope it's the case. Thanks, Siri. I just activated Siri <laughs> on my watch. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I very much look forward to it and I hope that that's the case. One of my favourite releases, as I've said before, is Future Force 2017, where yeah. they have multiple, you know, three variations of signatures numbered to 250 and 25 sort of thing. Yep. And, and to me, that, that they are just, they're up and coming. They were up and coming players at the time. Some of them have developed really well. Others, not so much. Draft so is that the, the Warpool, the Rose, Correct, yeah. uh, Sam Walsh? Yeah, exactly right. Hunter, Hunter Clark, you know, Jack, uh, yeah, Hunter Clark's in that one. That also had the other parallels in it. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that aspect of Series 2. And, of course, I, I want to know more about the other big case hits that are coming and are there other subsets being introduced or is and, it just going to be a standard holographic or what, what's it going to be? You and, know? you know, talking again, like, about Dominance last year, which was the most recent Series 2, you know, again, if you haven't been through it, if you get a case, and obviously none of us can buy cases anymore, but there was a big master case hit, which was the captaincy. That's right. There were then another dominance card, Correct. which was effectively another case hit. There was an influential, which was a so case hit. So influential was new. That was introduced in 2020, which didn't exist in 2019. So that became an extra hit yep. for the second iteration of dominance. And yeah. then plus high flyers. So you found yourself that there were literally six boxes out of the 12 yeah. that had a case hit as such yeah. that were a monster hit. Yeah. So, so you, you would think if the theory that's being applied at the moment, and it's very obvious, is, you know, the strength of the secondary market and the value of cards is what creates strength in the primary market. A box of cards, a packet, a box, a case, whatever it may be, can't have demand if there's no secondary market demand at a collector level or at a, at a whatever, flipper level, speculator level, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really yep. matter. So it, it seems very clear that the card companies and the card publishers have a very good understanding now of what takes place on the secondary market. And as a result, they create their product and the ratios of their product and the disbursement of their product to ensure that the value is there so that when their primary market customers, who, who is everyone, the end consumer, yep. buys their packets and buys their boxes, it, it, you're going to be pretty hard pressed in the current day market to get value that's lower. And as a result, they add things or they create things in the product. Now, we know with AFL and the domestic market, numbering is the really big thing. Yep. It's all about numbering and, and, and you know, really showing the, the finite number of cards that may exist to, to give it its, its, you know, its perceived value, so to speak. So I think that given that they introduced an influential as an extra case hit, was it one per case or one in two cases? No, it, was one it was one per case in 2020 for the second version of Dominance, I felt like that was being reactive to the market yep. and then having researched and having a better understanding that in, if to maintain the demand, you need to service it as soon as you pull it the other direction 
that's how you start to sink the value of something. So I would think that this year we should see the same amount of case hits, maybe more. So, and we're going to talk about this tonight anyway, but we've spoken many times about the life cycle, how long it takes to produce a product. Yeah. And it's effectively eight to nine months, we've guessed. Yeah. No one could have planned what happened last year with COVID. Yeah. So when Dominance released in August, yeah. effectively that was produced Christmas or November the year before. No one knew that we were going to go into this kind of boom. Yeah. You know, the trend was certainly moving in the right, right direction. Yeah. But did Select get super lucky by accident by having a really loaded product with Dominance, which now this year, knowing that COVID is still floating around, yeah. they can really capitalise that and harness that and give really exceptional value. I, I would think, and I would think that like what they did with Prestige as well to increase the value, you know, what they did to increase the value and the, and the, and the hits and everything in Prestige, I, I, think, I think, yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's that situation. I suppose it begs the question is we knew and we talked about previously the limitations there were from AFL media with respect to the photographs from the 2020 season. Yep. And we always talked about how that would impact the production timelines because were the card companies going to produce based on last year's imagery or were they going to wait until this season had run a few games through yeah, and then right. rush the production? But then also factoring in, you know, the things that we know about supply issues coming out of China, port-related issues and freight-related issues coming out of China at the moment. There's huge problems with plastics and manufacturing. There's, there's all yep. sorts of things. So I suppose it begs the question is, was this a series that was created nine months ago or was it actually only created four to six months ago? Yeah. And, uh, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and maybe that's something that we need to, to try and dig up with Select at some point as well and see if we, we can get some clarification on that too. Because so, so maybe it could be that they do the hard yards, yeah. but then there is a kind of a, a last-minute opportunity where they can change photos and change players yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, well, let me write an email. Adam, yeah. <laughs> Adam at select.com.au. Can you please confirm to me uh, when you actually make the series? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Um, and then obviously, you know, they've got to get the cards all signed and then they have to send them back to be repackaged and everything. Of course. Again. So it's, a, it's, a serious, it's a serious yeah. process. So a couple of messages that have came up there. I've never found any uh, of the comments. Yeah. Robbie's like, what's a case? Well, a case is a box and it comes 12 boxes inside it. <laughs> but unfortunately, none of us can buy cases anymore. Um, there's a question about the 300 case card. Uh, I just missed that before. Uh, what are they? Oh, here we go from Mason Jack. What are they going to do about the case card? So, a case card in previous series, we don't have one here, but there was a, a 300 game card that used to come sitting on the top Correct. of the case. And there would be uh, uh, there would be signed variations numbered to 50, yep. and then an unsigned variation numbered to 200. And usually there would be two to three different players for each release. Yeah. So, my understanding this year is since they did the Pendlebury, Buddy, and Selwood, which was last, last year. year there actually haven't been any 300 gamers. Oh, there's so, no one else to do. Yeah, well, I mean, they've recently just oh, ticked right. over a couple, like Jack was last weekend and stuff, but there haven't been in, the, in that period. So I imagine there aren't any case cards to actually make. But that's a really good question moving forward. What happens next year? Let's say the Burgoyne 400 game and the Jack 300 and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean... I imagine, just at a guess, um, it be starts to become a subset or it becomes yeah. a case hit or a box hit. Yeah. Probably a case hit, yeah, probably considering they're a yeah. case hit anyway. Yeah. Um, I imagine that's something we might see in future releases. But do you, do you feel like 
because of the way the products now sold and distributed by Select, that it, that it's, it's it, we've seen the the end of traditional format case cards. Like that is, it, it's a thing of the past now. I, I think the actual case card. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like as a the form, case card layered yeah, into I a think case that, because I think people that, can't access case. I think, I think that's gone, and yeah. also the way that Select now. Uh, distributing direct to public. Yeah, there's no need for it. Otherwise, I mean, they're going to stack this big on their desk. Well, that's right. What would then happen to? I think it ends yeah. up becoming the, the 300 game or the 400 game cards get inserted into the subset. So, yeah. Jared asks, why do you think they'll never introduce a one of one for footy? Okay, so we, we've talked about we've talked about, but yeah, saying that there's obviously including Jared. There's so many people who weren't with us on this journey six, seven, eight months yeah. ago. So. Um, so explain what a one for one is. Yeah, so one of one. So what Jarrah is talking about there for anyone who is listening and not watching and can't see it up on our screen, obviously, at the moment and everyone out there in, our, in podcast land. Um, so he's asking about a card, which is a one of one. There is literally only a card that is there is one of that card. It's effectively numbered to one. Now, my thoughts on this, and I think it's probably going to align with a lot of the, the AFL collectors who have been around in the community for a while, is that it will not work in AFL and it won't even work to a numbering of 10 in AFL. And the big thing about AFL and the big point of difference with traditional AFL collecting is the way people support and are fanatical about AFL, it's about their team. Whereas internationally, people collect players or collect real particular things. For AFL, it's always been underpinned by team collectors. And you do have master set collectors and you've got player collectors and the player collectors are becoming more prevalent now. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, what really underpins AFL cards, and if you take all the hype and everything else away, is the team collectors. And, 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 and yeah, to, to explain what a master team collector is, for example, I'm a Richmond master team collector where yeah. I'll go and collect every Richmond card from the series. Yeah, you know, one of every card from yeah. every series and you have to have them all. And I think the big problem is when you start to reduce your numbering so low, so one of one certainly does it even to 10, and I'd argue, to, you know, the, the sweet spot of 25 is a real sweet spot. And if you go below that, you're alienating too many people. That That's, that's when you ch start to really change the landscape in a big way of how the cards can be collected. And it can probably start to have a really detrimental impact. Now, does it happen over time and the key to it and adapting has to happen? Maybe, but I think that's something that becomes detrimental. This is, this is a great point that Lucas just made. Jumper numbers and 001s are our versions of that, one of ones. And that's how so I see it. That's yeah. a great point. And I think that, that's exactly right. And I totally agree with you, Lucas. I think the people who are intent of, on having something really unique that no one else has, they, it's now jumper numbers, 01s, and even low numbers, or a particular number to an extent. Yep. Um, the only other thing I wanted to add to it, and again, I, I really like to be happy to open this up as well, is given the growth of participation in the hobby and how big things are, and we look at it from a hard data perspective. And most of you guys out there who are watching and listening now see it in physical form on things like Facebook and forums. How many new people you see? How many posts a week from someone you've never seen before? How many people's trying to ask for a card? How many trying to sell a card? It's, it's you know, an acknowledgement of how many new people on a literally a daily basis now are coming into the hobby and also moving into AFL. Is cards number to 40 the new number to 25 yeah. like seven eight months ago i was very strong of the opinion that 25 was the market tested researched 
point of critical mass where if you went below it, the alienation basically starts because there are, you know, there's still not a, quite enough team collectors to, to go past that sweet spot. But now I feel for most teams, a card number to 40 in, in rareness terms because of demand versus supply is what a card number to 25 was a year ago. Yeah, but I think also too that we get into that situation where just because everyone wants a card doesn't mean that that card should be available for everyone. It totally. And, and there are certainly um, some some cards that have to be unobtainable. And I know personally from my own collection, there's some cards numbered to 100 or 150, yep. such as like the 96 or something like that, that I just can't obtain. So, so, so imagine you can't get that now, and that was number to 150. Imagine that was only number to 50 at the time. Absolutely. You're three years of trying to find it all have become nine years trying to find it. And that's part of the chase. And that's part of the chase. Totally, I agree with you. To me, it's not, it's not about um, entitlement and obviously the fact that everyone has the same ability to get something. They may not have the same means. They may not have the same amount of time or the same amount of money or the same resources to get it. Yeah. But ultimately, something gets released to the market and everyone has an equal crack at it. Sure. Mine is that you have to, as a card company, as any type of business, you're always going to have people upset with you. But you, 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 That's right. You have to find the balance and you have to appease the masses whilst at the same time you're going to, you're going to upset a minority as well. And I think it, it just becomes that point of critical mass where it tips over, you know? Yep. And what is that point? And I think, again, for NBA, NFL, MLB, all that sort of stuff, it's culturally ingrained that people aren't really team collectors. And if they are team collectors, they already know that the, the one of ones are unrealistic for them to, to acquire them because of the global reach of trading cards. So yeah. it's different. And, it's, and, it's a, and it's look, a, a different couple of comments thing. that have yeah. come through. So look, obviously, Asher here said, look at booklets from Supremacy, number to 25. So many collectors can't fill their team set because it's just too hard to obtain. And I think that's a combination of a couple of things, Asher. Obviously, number to 25. Plus also Supremacy is just such a desirable product. People have these cards absolutely tucked away um there was another comment um i don't know if you saw in the week regal released um an anz commemorative set which was i think 200 odd cards let's talk about but it's just essen and carlton alan didak and uh collingwood and essen yeah dustin fletcher oh yeah yeah yep. yep. and there was two one-on-one cards in yeah. there with the most amazing, amazing. Anzac yeah. patch. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is the Regal release, obviously, that's just yeah. come out this week. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, amazing full card looking patches, incredible of the Anzac patches. But would you buy it being a secure spotter? Well, no, it's not for me. It's yeah. not, it's, you know what? In, in saying that, uh, if I had that card, it would end up on, in my display. But it's not yeah. something I would actively seek because it's not within my set parameters. And as I've told you before privately, I don't want to open a can of worms for myself where I pick up a non-Saints card and then all of a sudden I've got a 45-side PCs going on and I'm trying to collect yep. the whole world. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big can of worms for me. But I think they are incredible-looking cards and they're on par with the biggest and best-looking international patches, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, look, it's not for me too because I'm a pretty staunch Richmond collector. But, yeah. you know, that's definitely something that select should definitely have a look at and... Their patches and their booklets are obviously very impressive, and we're both very lucky. We've got one. Yeah, they're they're great cards, 
but those single cards with a big patch yeah are just a fantastic design yes yeah. you know if you know i love the certified 16 and 17 patch six which are only a small patch yeah but gee can you imagine if select did something with a half patch card or a full patch card with a signature yeah, they'd be like the RPAs and stuff like that. But recently, like some of these NBA cards, which have like eight patches, they fold out like four ways, and yeah, like, like you know, like 20, 20, 20 yeah. sigs on them. With I don't know, there's all sorts of variations yeah. of that stuff. And hopefully, as the market continues to mature in Australia and the hobby continues to mature, the the publishers and the card companies can invest more money in both market research R and D, and then actually producing the, those type of products for for us as well. There, there was another question, Rob. I'm just trying to find yours. I saw you post it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, there was another one. Um, pretty much, Rob Verhoeven. Sorry, Rob, I can't find it to put it on the screen. But he basically said, no, no. Um, NRL basically oh, yeah. has a one for one in yeah. there. I don't know if it's their current release or their old release. I know NRL gets released again in July, yeah. but they've got a one-for-one one card, yeah. which I'm not um, as... I don't know whether it's team set collectors or their players in NRL. NRL. Um, yeah. We're certainly going to dive into NRL. We'll get some stock in the next couple of weeks and have a look and talk about it. Yeah. But maybe that is a little bit of a maturing market or a different market that loves one-of-ones. Um, me personally, it would drive me insane knowing that there's a one of one dusty out there and I couldn't get it. Well, and, and again, and you know, that's the whole thing. That's, but, that's but, just me. But then does it, does, it, does it change? If you knew there's a dusty out there that's a one of one and once it's gone, you can't get it, does that then in your mind change your intent of how you moving forward? You're just like, well, now it no longer matters if I get one of every card because I have that gap. So I'll always have gaps. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and if, if there was five of them, if there was even three of them, you know that one day something can happen and one of the three people that has it sells their collection yep. and it goes up for auction and at least you, you could you can know that you have a crack at it at least. Do you know what yep. I mean? But if you know that you, you can't do something, does it take away from the chase? And again, it's the balance. I think the balance is really critical. Well, well I, th I think suddenly you start making sacrifices or hard choices for your collections and saying, Okay, well, I've ignored that subset because it's a one for one. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to ignore this subset that's numbered to 25. Yeah. And suddenly, then you actually lose team master set. But, and, and that's what I'm saying. And that's a point. They, they, they still collect. They still collect. There's no such thing as that, as that format. And how does that economically impact things? Who knows? Like, yeah, it's, it'd be hard to measure. It's an interesting one. It's definitely an interesting topic. It's something to delve further into. Thanks, Jarrah. For uh, striking yeah. out that subject, and and conversation. it's a to, really good one. Can you imagine if someone had the Jack Steel one for one and just wanted to cock block you forever? But that's the whole thing. It would, if, for me, You'd be I shy. would change how I collect cards. Yeah. I'd just be like, cool, well, like, I'm a, I have to collect different. I'm collecting different. <laughs> I'm going to be happy. You can uh, see the fight in his face. I own it. And it's, uh, <laughs> uh, but look, it's interesting. And look, as the, the AFL market is, um, or the NBA market, moves a little bit more to AFL and there's more demand. We've talked about this on previous releases. I would never like to see um, infinite cards and big mass runs. I would prefer to have more releases. And as more releases come, perhaps they might do things like a brilliance type set where there's some really short print yeah. stuff where you might find that there is two or three players from each team and they're numbered to 20 or numbered to 15. Yeah. And it's just a really short print. Um, we're just gonna have to. We're just gonna have to see what happens. I think there's so many exciting things moving forward, and that sort of segues me to our next thing: is mm -hmm. Do you think there is an opportunity now 
now and also over the next 12 months where we know certainly locally here in Australia, COVID is going to be in play. We're, we're going to be going through some form of lockdown, you think, for the next six to 12 months. Yeah. Um, and who knows what happens in the future. Do you think that gives some reassurance to card companies? I guess we're talking about Select here. Yeah. To push out more creative releases because they've got more of a captive audience? Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for them to to take a risk, take a risk in what they do. They can afford to take a risk at the moment because the market's so hot. It's very resilient right now as well where lots of people have continued to predict that it's going to fall off, it's going to go down, it's going to go down. I'm very much talking about AFL specific and the yep. domestic market at the moment. It's going to, you know, it just hasn't. It's stood up really resilient, probably because it started at such a low level base. So there's been so much upward, upward ability to mm -hmm. grow, but also the ability to support all the new participation that was coming in as well and absorb those people in yep. rather than have to push them out behind a boundary. So I think if, if the time is right, if they were going to try new things and take something that would be perceived to be a creative risk, I suppose, yep. now is the time to be doing it. And I think you probably saw that with something like a brilliance as well, which came yeah. absolutely out of left field. Oh, absolutely. Like out of left field and just hit, hit the mark really, really well, you know? Like you'd be hard-pressed right now to do something wrong. Like, you know, if you put out a, a, a Christmas set, that like that horrible Christmas set, that, that probably wouldn't be a very smart move. But outside of that, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to do something wrong now if you were the, the major publisher, you know? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that there is so much demand for sealed product, both on a collector base and also the business of cards, Yeah, whether that's eBay stores, whether it's retail stores, whether it's breakers, whatever. I think there is plenty of people to just just consume product yeah. as long as the numbers work. And yeah. when I say numbers, the numbering on the cards yeah, the print numbers, and the, the pricing, rate, yeah. pricing yeah. of the, yeah, the, the price points. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I think they nailed, maybe by accident with Brilliance, $150 a box was perfect. Well, what's crazy perfect. is just Brilliance, well, it's always like Heritage makes Brilliance just reinforces how cheap Brilliance actually was. Yep. And the price is holding in the market on Brilliance at the moment as well, you know. A substantial amount of cards from that series going for between five hundred and fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you're pretty hard pressed to actually find a card that's worth worth less than two hundred dollars, really. Well, I mean, the Gold Coast like, and a couple of Frios were pretty much. You're getting your money back. Yeah, you get your money back. You couldn't lose, like in terms yeah. of that. And that's that, that's that's what I was saying earlier is they've figured that they've worked out the structure of how to load a product basically and ensure that based on what's taking place in the market at that given point in time or forecasting three to six months into the future, how to give a product value to then sustain it. So the people that need to circulate the money and just keep the, the you know, the, there's liquidity and there's a movement of money that takes place and someone gets something and they open a product, but they're a collector, no matter what their intent is, if they're a collector, they need to somehow turn over the ones they've opened from their box. Whether they sell or trade them, they have a value. So that's a, a movement of money. You know, every person, Absolutely. everything and that takes it, and cards. that's the business of cards. Yeah. And as much as you'll get people who don't like the idea of different elements of the business of cards, it's all of those different things. And, that it's, and it's pushing it. That's forward. right. And it, it creates an ecosystem that yep. circulates the money back through. So 
it's not like John goes and spends his dollar or his $10, but never has the opportunity to get $10 to re-spend it again. Yep. The concept is John goes and spends his $10, however he spends it, but through get what he gets, John will go get five to 10 back. If he's really savvy, he'd get more. If he's a business operator, he'd get more. But your average person, they'll get back five and then the five goes back around and, the, and it keeps recirculating. Yep. Then a new person comes in and adds to that and it just keeps going. And that is the micro economy of trading cards. Yep. And it applies to every genre of trading cards. So while we're talking about the economy, there's something that I, you know, we obviously highlighted in our, our run sheet tonight. Afterpay and pay-as-you-go services have yeah, been... Buy now, pay later. Buy now, pay later. Yeah, 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 have, have been a really booming industry, not only in the stock market, but also by consumers that are using it. How do you think Afterpay, and we use just, there's lots of them, let's just call Afterpay. Afterpay has had an impact on the current card market. Yeah. And is it good, bad, indifferent? Like, you know, what, I don't use it personally. What what do you what okay. do you so, 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 so let's preface it with buy now, pay later, afterpay zip, whatever you want to call them, afterpay is clearly the biggest in Australia and the most well known sort of thing at the yep. moment, the most used. Uh, it's it's not just trading cards or collectibles. Definitely. That they have impacted all consumer spending yep. and the way people consume and the way people spend money across the spectrum. There is no doubt that buy now, pay later has has during, especially during the whole COVID situation, has probably made a serious contribution to the world not going into a recession, to be honest, because it's actually fueled consumer spending, it's fueled discretionary spending. Yep. And at the end of the day, trading cards, there are, yes, investment in trading cards, but the vast majority would view trading cards as discretionary spending. Yep. So it falls into the category. now. Buy now, pay later is a really interesting thing. There's a lot of strong opinions on it about the ethical and moral nature of it, about the debt trap side of things, about the you know unregulated credit being issued, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's a thing though. At the end of the day, it's a thing. It's not disappearing, although it's quite unregulated at the moment. It will begin to become more regulated, but it's obviously out there. It's a thing. It has had a huge impact on trading cards. So do you think that it's created a perfect scenario? And the term flipper gets thrown around a lot, but if a release comes out, you can buy four boxes that you normally wouldn't be able to afford, yeah. not pay for it then. Yeah. You've got effectively a month to pay or make your first payment. You can go and sell a couple of those um, boxes at a premium, yep. pay off your afterpay, and then receive your box. Absolutely. Well, you're effectively giving people a line of credit. And when the, the market is so strong that everyone knows that you can buy something now and sell it for double the price, this or that, you know, in four hours' time, then, you know, it's the real. If someone says to you, I'm going to, you know, you can have $1,000, and in three hours, your thousand will become 1500 and you just give me back the thousand and keep the five. We're going to take advantage of that opportunity, but it's but it's not just from that commercial aspect of people looking to make money. It's also the situation of someone says, "Okay, well, each week I might be able to spend two hundred dollars on trading cards or two hundred and fifty dollars, which yep. means if next week is release week, I can only buy one box. However, because of afterpay, I can actually I'm going to buy four boxes." And each week, I'm going to put my $200 that I would spend on cards yep. towards paying off my afterpay bill through that time. Yep. 
So the, the, it, it's, a, it's a huge factor across the board. Yep. Um, and there's things there's things about it. A, the, a good little yeah, comment yeah, there. It's interesting. What Mish just said, buy now, pay later detracts from the emotion of spending, say, $500. Absolutely. Which is absolutely right. Whereas you might be juggling something in your finances to be able to buy whatever you do in your everyday life. But suddenly now you know you've got a line of credit that's not charging you any interest. Yeah. That you can go and buy those things. Yeah, about. absolutely. And here's the thing: what's really <laughs> interesting is, is like you know, you and I both obviously have mixed opinions on this. You know, it's no, it's no. Well, do you use it? So well, it's really interesting. I personally use it, okay. but for different reasons than other people may use it. Right. Okay. However, we're very open that we don't use it. You know, everyone knows we have commercial businesses and trading cards. We don't have afterpay as an option by choice on our end. Yep. We don't have as an option. It's probably commercially, it's not the best decision i suppose in the world but we both just agreed that at this point in time we don't think it's necessary to have that in our businesses maybe that will change in the future yep. but for me as uh, as someone that i use afterpay on a daily basis so, what are you, what are you so it's for me because i don't know I, I don't know if i want to publicly expose this because maybe they'll crack down on it but i use do you, do you need to borrow some money no, yes please so i don't use afterpay for the on the basis of requiring the money or the cash flow or the credit I use Afterpay as a way to basically double dip frequent flyer points, pretty much. Oh, okay. So because so what Afterpay is linked to a credit card, right? Yep. But Afterpay, if you're a Qantas frequent flyer, you can actually attach Afterpay directly to your Qantas account. So for every dollar you spend, you get frequent flyer points. But then if you're using a credit card that also gets frequent flyer points, you get frequent flyer points on that. So, so just explain. So, so, so if I went out, if I wanted to go buy, I want to go buy something for five hundred dollars, right? Yep. I go put it on my credit card. And I get my 1.5 frequent flyer points, or let's say one frequent flyer points for the for every dollar I spend. Yep. Okay. If I put that same item on my afterpay, I get not only the ones because it pays for from my credit card, but through afterpay itself because of its partnership with Qantas frequent flyer, I get quantum additional Qantas points for that transaction. So what I do in order to make sure I don't fall into the debt trap is. I use it where I can to do a transaction on, on whatever I possibly can, but then I'm always paying it off like very quickly and well in advance. Like it never gets to a point where it debits money from my account on the due date because I'm so far ahead of it. You know what I mean? Okay. And that also means I've constantly got a really high balance available so I can spend it. So big apologies to all yeah. the people that own afterpay shares. Jenks is just Yeah, see you later. So yeah, yes. kill that. Yeah. Um, but that's really smart. So and I guess for me, again, I don't use it, but for processing time, so say when there's quick. a release, is it as quick on PayPal or credit card? I reckon it's faster. So you're already logged in and you just literally go boom, boom, yeah. boom. Look, I'm happy if people, look, if anyone from Select is watching and another customer asks, is it true that when Adam Janky buys his boxes both through the SCC and on your website on release day that he uses Afterpay, I'm formally allowing them to tell you the answer to that question because the answer is yes. So whilst everyone sits there and complains about, I got bothered and I couldn't get it because the robots were getting me and I couldn't get any of the stock, I literally use Afterpay for those transactions. Okay. And I managed to, Afterpay, when you use it, it opens like another window within the window and it does it. And it is still, in my opinion, faster than paying by credit card or by PayPal. Certainly way faster than PayPal yep. because it, it's the security authentication's already like there. There's no, like, it just does it. You click pay with Afterpay, bang, 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 it's done. Like, Interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah, I find it to be quicker. All right, so let's look. You know, obviously, as James mentioned, we don't have it on any other network for 
there's no judgment of why other people do, but we just we choose not to do it for, I guess, a moral reason. But you know, it just again, doesn't suit us. It doesn't suit us. But who knows? In the future, we might look yeah. to offer it if people want it. But you know, it clearly has had a huge impact on the trading card scene from what we've heard. Yeah, um, and we've seen. So, and I know a lot of people out there. It's very convenient for them, and there's certainly yeah. no judgment. I, you know. I think no. it's fantastic. I think AJ raised something really good there. And again, it's not our... our, our it's when he goes shifty, James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this one? Yeah, the slippery yeah. slope. And look, it's not it's not our job to tell people... Uh, you know, most people, aside from young Mason Jack and maybe a couple of others, most listening to our... who listen to our podcast and watch our stream are adults. And yeah. as an adult, like with everything in life, you need to be responsible, especially for... And AJ said things. here, for, for people yeah. that are watching the show, it can be a slippery slope for some people, though. Yeah. But I'd also argue that's the same as using a credit card. It's, it's a, a credit card, and it's the same as buying alcohol or buying cigarettes or partaking yeah. in anything that is deemed to require a responsible adult to do so. Yes, it's dangling the carrot out there for people. It's another carrot. And it's not in the form of a piece of plastic with a chip in it. Yep. It's a modern day carrot that's dangling out. Yep, that's very true. But it is also up to every individual to control themselves. And again, like, Steve's yeah. right here. Jane's owns Afterpay and Qantas, so it's all cool. Look, when you have select Qantas and Afterpay, you're busy. Um, all right. So look, yeah, just an interesting to touch on, and I guess that's something that we're looking at how um, other factors are helping to impact the. <laughs> The card scene, you know, positive or negatively, but I think it does a lot of positive things. But it'll be interesting in the future how that keeps going. Yeah. And a quick example we talked about last year was that um, Prestige. We saw a lot of people buy Prestige Twenty on Afterpay. Yeah. And then there was a huge dump off of cards a month later. Yeah. Where it timed like, with the Afterpay. Time with the after people declared at the time very publicly. Yeah. I'm buying four boxes, or I'm buying a case of Prestige, yep. where I would normally buy two boxes. I'm getting a case because they put Afterpay available. And exactly right, you see the avalanche of sales. Now that hasn't happened this year in general. The avalanche because of sales the because box movements. the growth of the hobby has offset yep. it. And that's what people don't realise. The offset is there from the new participation. So the same, if not more, people are using afterpay and credit. Yep. It's just being offset against the actual scale of demand and participation. Yep. Yeah. So let's move on to our next topic because obviously all this time is running away from us. Um, and we'll call us, put it under the little heading of um, you know card school that we like to sort of help and educate yeah. people. Yeah. Um, We've seen a lot of things as these new people are coming into the to the marketplace and the community of cards where people are wanting to know what the price of a card is. And there's certain pages and groups that are notorious for what's known as phishing posts. Yeah. Um, explain what a phishing post is. Well, hold on. Can I just ask you something first, Maybe. Andrew? Maybe. What's my trading card worth? Hey. <laughs> Well, we'll get to that. So tell me about a phishing post first. <laughs> All right, guys. So a phishing post, it's, uh, look, there's a lot of talk at the moment. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of funny things going on on social media for those who are on Facebook with respect to what is deemed to be a phishing post. Let me just preface this with, as we've said before, the more people that are coming in, the more education is required and the more the knowledge of the people who, who have already been involved in cards is required to to set those people on the, the path of righteousness. Yep. However, 
come on, get to it. Fishing um, What's um, a fishing um, Amongst those people is some genuine fishing, and fishing is exactly as its namesake is casting a line out there in the way of a card, which is probably a photo or an image of a card, and some sort of story associated with it mm -hmm. that's going to trigger a piece of human emotion and make people offer you money. It's basically fishing in its true intent is trying to find someone to pay the maximum amount of money. Or to catch something. Yeah, to catch, you're catching someone and this time you're trying to catch a person to take your card off your hands and give you the most because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, so we, we were having a few laughs about this the other week and we created a, a Facebook page which is called... Yeah, it's called, what's my trading card worth, eh? So that, what started as a little bit of a joke has now been a page that's caught a little bit of traction and you can certainly go and find that page if you'd like to, or um, we'll group, should I say, um, where we want to give people an opportunity where they can come and ask what a card is worth. Yeah. Obviously, we approve humour and satirical posts. Yeah. But also, Hold on. We, it came about in that way. We, we did absolutely. it. Yeah, we were just having a big laugh a couple of weeks ago. It was going about on. Half and then I just turned around to Ed and I was like, oh, what's my trading card birthday? And he's like, yes, <laughs> yes. And then we like start creating this and we're like, let's make a page. This is going to be fun. At least then everyone can just come to one place and, and basically troll the shit out of each other. And fish, and, fish, and, fish, yeah, fish for fun. And then we're like, well, you know what? It's a real genuine thing at the moment. Yeah. So we also need to have a willingness to actually answer because there is that page in particular, there's legit people joining the page and asking the legitimate question. Yep. And it's a perfect example of people don't understand if someone's taking the piss yep. or if it's a legitimate question. So education okay. becomes so important. On the basis of and obviously we want everyone to come involved and have some fun on that page. But if you also legitimately do want to know what your card is worth, and, and I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to say the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> I'm looking at my other screen right now and yeah. notifications are literally popping up right in front of me going, Simon, so-and-so has requested to join. What's my trading card <laughs> right now? You're like literally people actually... Well, everyone, everyone come on board. They're doing it in real time right now. It's excellent. So, uh -huh. so we want people to obviously have more confidence and I, I can't speak for you, but I know definitely I get tons of messages every day asking for help with pricing cards. Um, and, you know, you obviously probably get the same too. Yeah. For someone that is relatively new in the hobby, okay, yeah. and might not have the same sort of network of people that we know, yeah. can you give some tips to some people? And look, a lot of these people on this thread know how to price a card. Yeah, but there's but, so many people listening now that don't. Can you give some yeah. pointers of how people can actually go about trying to price a card? Andrew, yes, I can. So, so Absolutely. Let's, let's use, for example, this card. What is my card worth? A card that I just got up in the cherry break. And I mean, I'm happy to put this out to fish. You know, I don't want low ball offers, but happy for offers over $3,000. Yeah. But how would you go and find out what this card is worth? A trade okay. watch and Brownlow double. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to give away all the secrets don't in one serious. episode. Be serious. But Straight yeah, enough. We're not giving it all away in one episode. So each week, we're going to give a couple of tips on how to actually value cards. So... Tip from the first ever segment of what's my trading card worth, A, eh, is the bare basics in the modern marketplace of how to value a trading card is to basically work out the levels of supply and demand and what they're going for within the market or have been going for. So the first step is to basically run an eBay search of that particular card, yep. but run two types of searches. The first search is to see what's currently available on the market Yep. And the second search is a completed listing search to see 
what was available on the market and what happened to those. Did they sell? Did they pass in? Did they have offers so, accepted? So let's give this a, a, a tangible example. Yeah. There's one of these on eBay selling for $500. Okay. You can buy it for $500 right now. Yeah. But you go into completed listings and you see one sold for $395 yeah. and another one sold for $380. Yeah. Where would you say the true value of that card yeah, so, is so, so from, the, from that information. Yeah, so from that information, I would dissect it a little bit further and I would look at when those previous ones sold yep. and what's happened to the marketplace since. If we're looking a at... Month, let's say a month let's ago. Let's say the sales took away four weeks ago. Okay, market's grown a little bit, but it's it's relative. There's one available at 500, so your market depth and what we call the market depth yep. is one. Yep. It's one. It's limited to one. The previous sales around the 380 mark, the value of the card clearly sits somewhere between $380 and $500. Yep. It's then up to you to make the decision and think for yourself, okay, it's $500, it doesn't have a best offer function. There's only one listed. The last two that got listed sold straight away at $120 below that asking price. As a Richmond person, as someone that wants that card, how many other people do you know of that also would want or need that card right now? Yep. And how many do you think there are going to be in, in the near future? And you then have to make that decision and think to yourself, well, is the card worth 440 450 or is it actually worth the full 500 because there is only one? So and once that one is gone, there is no more. So, so if, so, you, yeah, don't, if so, you don't buy or sell it for 500 will the next person? Yeah, so without getting too technical, just to pull you back a little bit there, in you know, and James is a lot more data-driven than I am, but for me right there with that example, that there is one for sale for $500 and a couple of sold for $385 and $395, I know right now that if no one has bought that card at $500, that price is probably too high. Slightly, yeah. But I also know that $385 or $395... It's selling. It's selling. It's multiple. So it needs That's to be somewhere right. there. And, and Anthony yeah. Gatt just posted a good comment. Let me get that up. Card number is a factor. Absolutely. But for the sake of this conversation, Gatt, let's just say that it's not a low or a jumper number just because yeah. we don't want to confuse it a little bit. Yeah. Try to convert, compare apples with apples. So once you've got that little bit of information out of those bits, say you're in a Facebook group and yeah. you've seen one of these cards sell the other day and you saw someone list that for $450 yep. and it sold. Yep. Does that now say to you, right, well, if the 385 and 395 sold yeah. and, and it sold for 450 yeah. sold, but there's one on 500, yeah. suddenly our gap of you're where you're that That's is. right, you're narrowing the gap. So yep. I think the moral of the story is the more research you can do and the more reference points or comps or whatever you want to call them you can yep. do, the, the closer you're going to get to, to what is the, the, the true perceived market value, which will actually help you get the sale done a lot quicker. You can sit there and you can put it out there for the high price for as long as you want. Yep. And if you're happy not to sell it until you get the money you want for it, that's absolutely fine. But if your intent is to go out and actually sell the card, yep. you want to be a bit more realistic with it. And that's why ultimately a lot of the phishing posts never end up with a result. They don't actually get a result. Yep. Yeah, and, and probably just to pull back a little bit, that the key part of this lesson is not so much about why, how you can get the best price. It's also the other way around too, that if you've got a card that you're not sure of the value, you don't want to go and sell this for $200 yeah. because you're not sure what it's worth. Yeah. 
So it's a very good idea to work out why it isn't too expensive yeah. and also why it isn't too cheap. And it goes both ways. And you see people accidentally sell like a day cost bang for 15 $15. instead of 150 stuff yeah. like that happens. Um, you, you know, it, it, it goes both ways. But in for the bare basics, it is so simple to comp the value of a card. And if it's something that becomes is more rare or more complex or doesn't have much data set or or history behind the sale, well, that's what communities within trading cards are for. So yeah. yeah. So so obviously that's the first little tip about how you can do it. The second one is if you know you know everyone knows everyone in the community, and some people know more people or less people. Don't be afraid to ask. Absolutely. If there's someone that you've done a sale with, or someone that you've talked to in a break or on a community page. Just send a message and say, hey, Gribbler, just wondering, what do you think this card is worth? Yeah. And he might say, oh, look, mate, I reckon it's worth 400 bucks. Yeah. And again, you've seen, you've gathered this other data that you've seen. Yeah. But there's suddenly there's someone that's, you know, giving you a little bit of guidance that it shouldn't be $250. Yeah. yeah. So don't be afraid to spend a bit of time having a look. Yeah. eBay is open to everybody. Yeah. But also don't be afraid to just, spend half an hour searching for a card on Facebook Marketplace yeah. or asking some questions. And also have the, the understanding in the back of your mind, the market's always moving. Of course. Prestige is a great example. And, what, and Rob, you, you've, you've made a really good point. And don't get me wrong, we're certainly not dismissing um, the supply and demand things. We're trying to just keep it fairly simplistic for people that perhaps don't have the same experience with cards. Yeah. We want to give them a couple of the tools that they can then the real build ba- on. The real basic yeah, stuff. to build on yeah. so they can then learn about more things and more Yeah, clarity. and that's the thing. There's so many market forces and exactly that. Like, oh, you know. But you're I'll, spot on, Rob. That's right. And, and I'll end it, Rob, by saying, and I, I totally support what you're saying there, and I think what I'm about to say really backs that up is Prestige is a great example. The prices people were paying for certain greens two weeks ago yep. are not what they are right now. They've, like, doubled or tripled. Yep. And again, right now is not where they're going to be in a couple of weeks as well. So a comp from us, you know, doing a comparison price on, uh, you know, a, a particular type of green from two weeks ago is, 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 not what it, is not what the true market value is now. It's worth a lot more right sure. now. And that's where having to look at a multitude of different variables and speaking with other people and really doing your research comes in. Yep. You know, we, to, we just don't want you guys to have a howler either way. Yeah. We don't want you to put up a $500 card for 1000 bucks, and we don't want you to put a $500 card up for $200. Yeah. It's not an exact science. As we've said many times, a card is worth what someone is willing to pay for That's it. Right. But as long as you can get it as close to a good range, fantastic. And look, we're certainly going to look to try to keep helping with some of these things over the coming weeks because the more people that we can educate and help be better citizens of the card community, yeah. the better it is for everyone and more enjoyable experiences. But we certainly welcome any comments and feedbacks about this. And if there's things you guys would like us to talk about, reach out to us. We can certainly do yeah. it. And Rob, just to clarify, AJ doesn't own just half of Turak. He owns half of the entire municipality. So there's a lot of suburbs that fall into that area. All right. Well, we're about to go the one hour mark, and we know that we're trying to keep things a little bit quicker. So let's move on to our favorite segment, unicorn hunting. Um, I've been a bit lax actually putting up the artwork on the website. I'll try to find some time to do that tomorrow, but kids at home and work and doing all janks and stuff. And the other resources. We are working on a few special resources yep. for you guys as well for Card Authority too. But what I will say is that... Um, we had a great message today from Sean, who um, a few weeks ago 
wanted a Sam Walsh red future force that we were talking about yeah, before and um picked one of those up today which was fantastic um so rob he owns Melbourne, i own Tura. Um, <laughs> you know so well done to sean out there who got his um sam walsh um fantastic 2017 fantastic future force cars. number to 40. really rare. they seem to be and i'll tell you what i don't know if it's just me but 2017 future force has hit like hard in the last two three everyone weeks it. feels like everyone wants 2017 future force they yeah. are and those cards again the green six right. and the red hard to find. Settle Go. Settle back down. to the right. unicorn anyway so congratulations to um to sean well done so pleased that we we're able to land another unicorn not that we had a lot to do with it but we put it on the radar and he um, was very appreciative so well done to you but this week and i know this is going to make one listener happy i haven't told him that i'm going to do this one tonight but Asher Ezekiel, obviously a very regular member, is looking for a Jack Viney gold Future Force signature from 2012. Now, when I told Jenks that we're going to be using this for our unicorn, he uh, had a slight chuckle um, saying that they are as rare as hen's teeth. They're as rare as unicorns. They are as rare as <laughs> unicorns. So if someone out there, and I know there's a few Melbourne collectors that might have some piles of cards, um, if you've got a Jack Viney gold Future Force signature 2012, Asher will certainly like to talk to you either about a sale or a trade or you can get in touch with me and Janks and we can help facilitate something. We're not paying for it. Yeah. We're not paying for it. But we will help. Um, as I said, Jack Viney gold Future Force signature. He's never seen one as he's commenting on there. If someone can help him out, he will be happy to pay millions. Millions. millions of dollars super rare from memory they were numbered to only 30 those ones and again Very so rare. hard to find i said aj before there's a no-name states player i don't even think he actually played the game Brody murdoch and very rarely would you even see that card pop up so if we can find that that would be great um that is our unicorn for this week obviously submit your unicorns in via the cardauthority.com.au website and we will certainly help try to track down a card for you um, I know there's been lots of comments and jokes about a few topics this week that, I mean, we're not going to, you know, we'll, we'll keep them all offline, yeah. but it's all been amusing stuff. But we'll, yeah. uh, we appreciate the commentary. We it's excellent. It, we see it all. We, we just, have a laugh. We're just not, we're just not talking about yeah. it. But anyway, <laughs> so thank you very much for everyone for joining us at Card Authority. Another fantastic show. Jankovic, just keep doing what you're doing at Select. Great job, mate. I try my hardest. Guys, have a great week. Stay safe and obviously be kind to everybody. Um, we're in lockdown. It's really challenging. Yeah. Only a few more weeks away, hopefully, before Series 2 is released. We can't wait to continue to talk about that and everything else that's going on. And as we said, the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about some NRL and a few other well, and things. And what a time. An exciting period exciting coming time. up. Just uh, looking forward to embracing that next release with everyone. Just the innovation at the moment. Glenn, I'll, I'll reply to you. Sorry, Sorry Glenn. Sorry. Uh, what, a, what a time. And yeah, can't wait for the next few episodes of Card Authority as well as we start to get closer into release and post-release. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again. Good work, Winky.